Welcome to the show. I'm Brad Johnson, and this is the Do Business, Do Life podcast. I believe in the and approach to life and business instead of the either or. This show is my attempt to help financial advisors create unlimited growth and freedom in their life and their business through wide-ranging conversations with some of the most brilliant and interesting people on the planet. We refer to this mission as DBDL, doing business and doing life. All right. Welcome back to the Do Business, Do Life podcast, and welcome to our very first Triad member spotlight. This is going to be a really special episode that's a little different from our usual format. And going forward, once a month, we're going to dive deep with a high-performing office that is winning in business and life from inside the Triad Partners community. Brad's plan is to have genuine conversations that dig into the good, the bad, and the ugly so that we can help as many other offices out there who are listening to take advantage of both the best practices and, of course, the lessons learned the hard way along the journey of building and scaling an advisory practice. So now that we're dropping shows weekly, you can expect and get hyped for conversations with some of the best and honestly just the coolest advisors and people uh, once a month, so once every four episodes. This week, with this being our first Triad member spotlight, we had to go really big. So you're going to get a three-for-one. Brad's going to be talking with the three co-founders of SHP Financial uh, and a team that Brad has honestly just grown up alongside in the business. That's Matthew Peck, Derek Gregoire, and Keith Ellis. You've probably heard SHP featured on Michael Kitsis' podcast as well. If you love this episode, do not miss that one. There is just so much to learn and love about these guys and their path to bringing on more than $250 million of new assets annually, which, by the way, one-third of came from client referrals. And besides that, you would think that's the best part. Of course, the best part is they avoided falling into this trap of you know more growth equals more work. So today, Brad's going to deconstruct how they went from being the only three revenue producing advisors in the firm, carrying the weight of everything on their shoulders, running their business out of the trunks of their car, to building and scaling a team that freed up their time and allowed them to create ultimate freedom and scale in their business and life, which again, really special is a journey Brad has been there for at every step of the way. The three biggest highlights from the episode are going to include one, the power of a proprietary process and how SHP used one to create better solutions for their clients differentiated themselves from their competition, and built a business that has just exploded from a growth perspective. Two, why growing your business does not have to come at the cost of your time and freedom and specific decisions and actions taken by Keith, Derek, and Matt to protect their life while they grew their business. And three, what it takes to build a revolving door of client referrals, right? So for SHP, about 80 million of new assets came from client referrals in 2022, and you're going to hear exactly what caused that. Now, one of the things that you've heard Brad talk about is something that has completely changed the trajectory of his life is coaching and the power of mentorship. So in order to pay it forward, strengthen our DVDL community of listeners and add value on a more intimate level, we're going to offer and open up three slots for a 30-minute coaching session with Brad. If you want to grab one of those three one-on-one coaching slots, here's what you're going to do. You're going to one, text the word coaching to the DBDL Insider phone number. It's in the show notes. I'll tell you it now. It's 785-800-3235. When you text coaching, the word coaching, to our phone number, we're going to send you a link to apply. If we could duplicate Brad, we would. And Brad would gladly have these conversations all day long. I promise you, and if you could believe it, the only thing that Brad loves more than podcasting, which I guess shouldn't be surprising because it's really similar in spirit, right? It's having meaningful conversations about what's possible and how to make it happen. He would talk to every single one of you all day long. But for now, we're just going to start with three. So one, (laughs) you're going to text coaching 
to our phone number to apply for one of our three one-on-one coaching slots with Brad. And the second step, really easy. Just be thinking about the number one thing holding you back inside your business from achieving what we like to call your champagne moment over the next 12 months, which of course can be in your business or life and uh, will probably be both. Show notes that include links to all the resources, books mentioned, and people discussed are going to be available at bradleyjohnson.com forward slash four, which is also going to have the link to apply for that one-on-one coaching conversation. As always, thanks for listening. And without further delay, today's conversation with the co-founders of SHP Financial. All right, guys. Well, to say I've been looking forward to this conversation is an understatement. So Derek, Keith, Matt, welcome to the show. I'm excited for the conversation today. Glad to be here, Brad. Happy to be on your show. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. Derek's even coming to us live from a uh, second location in Florida. So you guys have now gone uh, worldwide at SHP. So <laughs> so thanks for joining this us, Derek. It. I think you carved out some this time on vacation, only. right? There's a lot of talk of SHP in Florida, which is not happening. This is like when we're down here, it's like chill and vacation. And that's that. No picking up clients on the golf course, not in the cards today. Nope. (laughs) Golf course, yes. Cool. Well, guys, one of the things on the new show format that I really wanted to do, you know, as I look back at podcasting and kind of the journey I've been on over the years, I've had a number of advisors just come up to me and say how much they've learned. And obviously, knowing you guys, I guess we're getting old now because it's been over a decade. Keith, you did not have that gray back in the day, that's for sure. (laughs) But, um, you know, seeing your guys' transformation, how your business has evolved, and also seeing how much over the years, just you surrounding yourselves with other great advisors, how much that impacted you, how much you've been able to give back to other advisors. And it's just really the whole concept of iron sharpens iron. I would absolutely Mm -hmm. be missing a huge opportunity if I didn't create some version of that with the new show format. So, The plan is this is one of the first episodes. I don't know the exact order it's going to come out, but at least once a month, we're going to do a spotlight on a triad office to where we really just deconstruct and just have a real conversation, good, bad, and ugly, all the trials and tribulations along the way, and just see what we can share in your journey that can help other offices out there listening in. So excited to have you guys as one of the the first guests. And I don't even know what we're going to call this, call call it a triad spotlight, but um. I thought we would start with where we met. And I know it was in a, a very nice hotel, Keith, if you remember, up in Cleveland, Ohio. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, one of the classiest. Yeah, yeah, downtown Cleveland. Is that where you guys met? Something like that. I I don't remember. I, don't I do remember believe, where I do believe all great stories start in downtown Cleveland. Well, the Christmas story started there, and that's a great story. Yeah, so this is true. <laughs> but um, so I remember meeting you, Keith, and, and we were all, I think upper twenties at the time, you guys were young into your journey as a business. I mean, even though like you started the SHP at a very young age and from what I remember, correct any of this, that's wrong. Four partners at the time, I think the prior year. So I think it was about 2012 when we met, I believe that the prior year between the four of you, you had captured about eight to 10 million of new assets total. Was it, is that about yeah, right? Year. Was it a that little bit year, 8 million? Yep. So if you if you if you do the division there, divided by four, you guys were just mm-hmm. popping trunks, grabbing brochures, making things happen, right? Yes. And there was a lot of two million, you, two million a pop. Yes. So you had a, you had a very different team than you had today. But I'll tell you what I loved about you guys. Mm-hmm. You had great hearts. <laughs> you still do. You were there to serve. You had no egos whatsoever, and that's not always common in this business. And the biggest thing is you were students. You were like, hey. 
we know we don't have this all figured out. Uh, we want to grow, get better, you know, get in, get in front of people that, that can help us level up. And that was really where our kind of journey in this business started. So if you guys look back and whoever wants to hop in, it's, it's kind of tough with three of you. So maybe I don't want to like raise hands or anything like that. But if you guys want to hop in and just rewind back to 2012, what were like the things like if you were going to give yourselves advice back in, it was a four partner business. I know you now are down to three partners. One of them exited early in the game, a very small team, but you were going to say, Derek, Keith, Matt, guys, here's what you need to do. Like, here's advice I would give you, like either stop doing this or start doing that. Where would you have, have started back then? Oh, the list is long. The, the list is yeah, very long. I mean, it's like, I think at that point, because at, at the same time, as we'll get into this later, we hired our COO, Michelle, and that was in 2013, 14. So we were still kind of in that young stage. So we started in 2003, but from 2003 to 2013 was like a strange, like just, we, we all went to, we all understood like the financial side and like financial planning and that side, but we didn't understand how to run a business. That was, we had no, so we had to learn through a lot of trials and error and a lot of bad mistakes, a lot of um, testing different things. And I remember when Michelle came on, she's like, wait a minute, you guys, we still, we never think we're above any task or anything like that. But she goes, you guys should be focusing more on this and you're answering phones and you're like ordering coffee paper and you're dealing with the printer company because the printer broke down. And she's like, why are you doing all that? So I think, you know, that's when we really started. Like it started with small things like that, like making sure someone was answering the phone. But then it led to like 5,000 other things that have allowed us to grow and scale our business, you know, so more of a high level. Now it's like, why are you going to do all the research and portfolios? Why don't you have like Matt heads up our investment committee, but then there's, we have three really good analysts and portfolio traders that do all the work behind the scenes. So, because we can't do that. So that you think of like, it started with just not answering the phones, but now it's grown to, you know, our sweet spot is dealing with some of our larger clients and really dealing with the company strategically as a, as a whole, where before we tried to do everything. So that's a, that's yeah. 10 years worth of a, a summary in 10 seconds. What I'm hearing there, Derek, is just a lot of generalist <clears throat> activities where you were like pulled in 50 different directions doing everything versus right. the stuff that actually drove revenue to the firm. Exactly. <laughs> and, and Matt, you were you were chiming in there. What do you have to add? Yeah, what, what I was going to say, I think, uh, you know, certainly couldn't uh, co-sign enough or emphasize enough what Derek just mentioned. Uh, the other thing is that we... The advice that I would give us back in the day was stop selling product. Uh, you know, I really think that we were so focused on, oh, well, what's this cap or that cap or this bonus or, or whatever that may be, you know, because at that time when we first met Brad, you know, even though Derek mentioned, you know, where we are now, we were insurance only. So we were not only insurance only, but we were sort of product only. You know, we, we were sort of going in yeah. there trying to compare what we had versus what had been already offered to the client. So it was, you know, we were offering a commodity rather than a process. So really at that point, we started to, be, to, to develop the retirement roadmap process. So we sold the plan. We, we sold us as the advisor, not just the product. Yeah, I was going to say get less. Yeah. And so Matt, yeah. right on the head, you know, trying to go in and carve out a portion of someone's assets is really difficult rather than going in and getting all of the assets and building a comprehensive plan and then you know, really loving on that family and then leads to other, which we're going to get into referrals, business building, everything along those lines. So yeah, definitely, uh, you know, it took us a long time 
in our careers for one of us to get licensed and then for all three of us to get licensed. But ever since that point, it's really, you know, been a rocket ship in our, in our business and, and it's really helped our clients. So, yeah. Well, here's the theme that I've seen guys and I hear you all three saying you were kind of a product of the environment you grew up in. And I know the three of you, and there will probably be a lot of listeners that relate to this. You came from banker's life, which from my experience, most people in our space today started somewhere like that, you know, kind of a captive group with somebody else's name over the door. And I, my comparison, I kind of make that is it's kind of like, what's the church you grew up in? What's your religion, you know, when it comes to the business and you only know what you, what you were brought up in. And what I, I think that was cool. That is really like, if you're listening in, I think it's always really important to think about your thinking. And, you know, if, if banker's life, if their process was grab the brochure of the day, talk about the products, Matt, you're like, yep, that rings sound pretty good. Um, talk about, you know, the latest, greatest the product. Yeah. Then I remember, I remember I probably did describe, still do the, it did describe the benefits. It was a brochure and like a whole booklet you flip through to describe the benefits of why, someone needed long-term care. And then the story of a woman who needed long-term care, but didn't have it. It was like, it was ridiculous. Matt Pryor, yeah, Keith and Matt Pryor, remember the name. What was the yeah. name, Keith? Charlie Perkins. <laughs> I told you, I, I knew he would. That was the story from 20 something years ago <laughs> that we had to tell about Charlotte Perkins, like breaking her hip. And oh, wait, long-term. hold up. Oh, hold up. This was a scripted story you yes. were trained to give. Yes. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So Keith is interesting. Yeah. Hey, he was, Keith was good, man. He was a good student all the way through. Um, It wasn't even just a story. It was scripted where you literally would just flip page. Then like, okay, here's the next page. And you would just show the client from this binder with the, you know, the the plastic thing with the, you know, with the uh, sheet uh, sheet of paper inside it. I mean, you would just, Mm -hmm. again, flip page by page. And then that's how you get to the close. Um, It's just, you know, better best. Yeah. That's where we came from. It's our religion, as you said. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's really interesting because um, I think that's just a good lesson in business is a lot of businesses have a set product. Product is already created. And then they're like, okay, go sell this product to people or clients or prospects, right? <clears throat> where the flip, if you really deconstruct what you guys did, is you removed yourself from the being tied to a certain product. And by the way, I know we're talking about like old school, you know, the the insurance policies you guys were selling when you first got in the business, but it's the exact same side. I've seen the whole other side of that story where people that grow up in the asset management, fiduciary, fee-only world, their product is here's the way we manage assets. And this is why this way is better than the way you're doing it now. So they've, they're still selling a product, whether they know it or not, right? And what you guys did is you removed yourself from that. And you said, hey, I'm going to sit down with an individual. I'm going to see what they actually need, what gaps in their planning or lack of planning they have. Maybe they have a pension, so they don't even need an insurance product that creates income, right? But let's let's deconstruct goal and kind of goals-based planning, and let's now custom build versus give them a pre-constructed home. So it's kind of like the homes where everyone looks the same on the block versus, hey, I'm going to build a custom home based on what I actually need in my home. And the moment you did that, and the moment you also, I want to get into process, Matt, because you talked about that, the, the SHP retirement roadmap, for those that are unaware that aren't familiar with the SHP guys, that is their proprietary trademarked process. 
I'll let you guys share what it is, kind of the five worlds. And I know you've done a ton of work with guys like Chris Smith in our community to really even message that better than you have in the past. But what you did is it's kind of like the McDonald's version of the Big Mac. You can start a hamburger stand. And guess what? There's a hamburger stand on every corner in America where you're a commoditized business. You guys created your version of the Big Mac. You can only get the Big Mac at McDonald's. Well, you can only get the SHP Retirement Roadmap at SHP. So maybe deconstruct that, guys. I don't know who wants to hop in and kind of share the inflection point that made. Yeah, and Brad, and I'll let either Derek or Keith talk about the actual process itself, but let me just talk a little bit about the philosophy behind that. And I think the key word there that you mentioned is proprietary. I mean, think it, I mean, we wanted to focus on what was proprietary. Where could you only get, you know, SHP, right? Well, that first is the process that we'll talk about, which is the planning process. The other thing that really became part of our culture and our DNA from early on is the focus on us as people, as persons, as the, not the savior by no means, but as the advisor that's going to be with that client, you know, through thick and thin. And so to talk about how, okay, yes, not only, yeah, I mean, think about that way. Think about initially we were all product and it's like, yeah, you can get product anywhere. You can get a hamburger anywhere. But when you combine the process and the planning process, which we'll talk about in a moment with us as people, well, you can't, that is truly proprietary. Right. And so now it really, you become more distinct. You really stand out because you can't get that combination anywhere else. Well, and the the thing I saw guys from the outside looking in. So if you look at like sales 101, objection handling, you know, back to the pre-made script that you guys were kind of had to memorize. If I get product day put in front of me, whether that's an annuity, whether that's the latest, greatest asset management, you know, model, whatever, if they're not in on that or the school that they grew up in, was anti that thing that you're offering. Now the objection is, oh, well, annuities are bad. Or, oh, well, you know, I heard that's too high of a fee for that asset management model. Who, how can you object to this? Hey, I want to sit down. I want to get to know you. I want to figure out, you know, what's working, what isn't, where the gaps are in your plan, what your goals are. And then I want to put as an independent advisor, the most efficient tool into your plan to accomplish the problem or fix the problem. And it's like, wait, how do you object to, I'm going to listen, I'm going to seek to understand. And then I have an entire toolbox of every product that exists as an independent advisor and as a fiduciary. And I'm simply going to construct in the most efficient way, a plan that, that does what you need it to do. It's like, how do you object against that? Like, I know a lot of what you guys do is educate or maybe re-educate on poor education once a prospect gets to you. But did you find it would just created a smoother process, a less like kind of, I feel like a lot of sales is like a, a boxing match where you're like ducking and jabbing and objecting. Like how did that change the game for you guys just high level philosophically when you went to that model? I think first we started out like it was, it was more like describing like, how do you not like this annuity that pays, you know, you can have this, this bonus and this, like it was trying to like sell that. And then like you said, all the objections can come up and then it'd be back and forth where, now it's such more of an, a consultative type situation where we're sitting down, well, you know, we changed that framework. It was all about selling a plan, not a product. And there's no, we weren't, you know, incentivized mentally. All right, we're going to go this direction or that direction. And we let the clients know right away, the prospect, like, Hey, we're going to sit down and learn more about you and your situation. We're going to see if we can help. And if we can be a fit, that's great. And if not, no worries. So we want to take some of the pressure off. But then all the questions we're asking, and this will kind of get into the process, the retirement roadmap process is five key areas. So the whole differentiator at SHP 
is we have everyone else, most times when you go to a firm, they either are an investment firm and they give you investments or they're annuity, an annuity firm and they sell you an annuity. And that's the end of it. With us, we manage money. We charge a fee like everyone else. That's the investment piece. But also as part of this consultative process and roadmap, we build you a full income plan, looking at social security, expenses, pension analysis. And then we look at investments, uh, as we just talked about. And, and we have a really good team that handles that and does a great job and uh, according to your risk and, and everything that goes in, into investments. Then we have, what about taxes? How will taxes play a role? If you ignore taxes in your plan, I mean, you can have the best investment plan in the world if you're not looking at taxes and they creep up down the road. That's even, almost even just as bad or worse them losing money in the market because you lose money every year if they raise taxes when you take money out. And so we want to look at, do Roth conversions make sense? Tax loss harvesting, any opportunities, municipal bonds, whatever it is, how can we add value there? Then we look at healthcare, world number four, long-term care. We have a a consultant that helps our clients with Medicare, supplements, all that, prescription plans. And then finally, estate planning, legacy. We work with an attorney, uh, multiple attorneys that handle that side of it. And basically that is one, when you think of a plan, we always say that's, that's a full plan and you can get a portfolio anywhere, but you can't, you can only get an SHP retirement roadmap here. And looks like, like McDonald's, you can get a hamburger anywhere, but you can only get a Big Mac here at McDonald's. And since we changed that, we, it's a lot of work because, you know, behind the scenes, we have a trading team, we have a portfolio team, we have a new business team, we have an ops team, we have a client development team. We have a planning team. We have, you know, so there's a lot of work that goes into it. But if you take the steps to do it right, build a process and build the right team over mm-hmm. time, I mean, the numbers speak, it, the, the business takes off. It's almost hard to, to have it not. And I would say, well, um, with that comprehensive process, what Derek just described, with experience, as our clients have got to know us in our process over the years, we've experienced a major inflection in referrals because a lot yep. of times people ask us why we have such a big team. And this isn't a sales team. This is more of a support team to follow up and, and um, complete all the promises we make. And I would also say what we've also experienced is you know, from a client standpoint, the client size or the amount of assets that clients are bringing in are significantly higher than they were three, four, five years ago. So that's the reason, I, you know, that proprietary process and, and using that proprietary process and actually following through, not just saying you're going to do something, actually doing it and doing it extremely well, that can lead to, you know, massive explosion in business as well. And Brad, Brad, just to throw it in here, because it's on, I'll forget it if I don't say it now, just about the process and, and the work we do. We've had two referrals in the last month and and I'm just thinking because one of the guys called me yesterday. Matt and I were taking care of a, a woman. She had her, lost her husband, had a ton of money from like insurance sales and so forth. And we set her up with a plan. And her brother, who's a doctor, has like came in to help just to help her out. And he saw how our team like, like he saw what he had. He has like 20 million. And he's looking at what she has. And he's like, I don't have any of this. My guy just tells me, here's your investments. He goes, do you guys do this for everyone? And I'm like, yeah, so he's in the process of moving assets over. I think it's 17 to 20 million, another one for 13 million, same thing. <laughs> Referral based on wow. that. And, and they're not all going to be that way, obviously. Yeah. My point is, we would have never sniffed that 10 years ago 
without having, like people don't want to invest in their, people are afraid to invest in their teams. And I'm not saying hire five traders and six new business people. Yeah. If you really want to build a good business, you have to build the support in the background that is going to take care of these clients and, and to execute on everything you say you're going to do. So, so just to make sure I heard that right, a doctor comes in, was it his sister? It was yep. his sister? So it, a, Matt and I, so sister, Matt and I, sister, sister, sister loses a husband, brother comes in just to help. Obviously she's mm-hmm. grieving. There's a lot of finance stuff going around, like kind of the comforting, like all of us would do for our siblings. And he's like, wait, all this stuff you do for everyone. And he's got 20 mil and he's like, this is a no brainer. I need to, I need to do this too. He yeah. was trying to help his sister go through the situation. He saw very smart guy, saw all the work that went into what we do. And he's like, I can't believe you put this much time in for your clients. It's like, and so that's, um, there's so many stories like that. I just shared some recent, yeah. those are like bigger, those are, some are like, well, you know, a million, they're not all 20 million or 15 million. But the point is, is we would never have those results in taking care of your clients the right way. That was, um, about two times a year for you guys. When I, uh, when I met you the first time. <laughs> that so one client. Let's let, yeah, let's earmark or uh, let's bookmark that one and come back because I really do want to die. Last year, a third of your business was generated through referrals, correct? And yes. I don't think I heard the final December 31st number total assets. Have you guys summed it all up yet? It was around 250, I think. 250 something. Right. 250 million of assets gathered organically <laughs> in 2022. Yeah. That's pretty awesome, guys. You should be proud of that. That's a lot of uh, Boston area retirees you guys have helped. And I, and I know a yeah. lot of your clients have, you know, are other places too. But okay, so I want to hit a couple of things. And the problem is we don't have enough time. Mm-hmm. This could be a four-hour podcast, but Derek has an engagement following this. So we better keep rolling. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, so one of the things that you guys did, because here's the thing, you don't, you guys don't, like 15 years now of, talking with advisors all over the country and, you know, what's working for them, what isn't, where the gaps are, what's holding them back. You know, I, I think I did a pretty good job coaching the clients I worked with, like, hey, you need a process um, versus, you know, selling products. And I want to take that a notch deeper. Back to the doctor story you guys just shared. So my son the other day, we're, we're going to overuse this hamburger analogy. So, so Nash, you guys know him, you've met him. He's like a hamburger connoisseur. And, and so he wants to try He's got this like weird thing where depending on where he orders the burger from, it depends on what he gets on it. So at some places he'll get pickles and mustard at other places he'll get cheese. And I know him and Keith have some similarities in, yes, you know, definitely. how they order cheese. But, but so anyway, so, so he's, he's a McDonald's guy. That's his place. We're still working on that, but it started with just like the double cheese, the two cheeseburger meal. And then he's like, here's about the big Mac. So he wants to try that. And so just the other day, he's like, dad, how good is the quarter pounder with cheese? Amazing. I'm like, dude, it's the best at McDonald's. There's it. That's at the top. They can talk about the Big Mac all day, but the quarter pounder with cheese is above the Big Mac. Wait, I mean, I see a lot of consensus here. <laughs> and it, in that, just that very simple story, here's what McDonald's did well. If you deconstruct the business, they branded and named their products and what you guys did, because I've se- I, I talked to so many advisors like, oh, I've got a proprietary process. It's the XYZ. And you know how many times I've heard, yeah, it's the, so yours is the SHP retirement roadmap. I know you guys have done a ton of coaching with a lot of advisors over the years. You know how many times I hear it's the XYZ 
fill in firm name, retirement roadmap, to where all they did is they went to a website of another advisor that was maybe a little further down the road or more successful, and they copy pasted. And so to take <laughs> they're not, it a step they're not doing further, either. yeah. So so check this out. This is the test. So if you're out there listening in, advisor, and you think you have a proprietary process, and you think you kind of have checked this box, you need to go to your team next all team meeting and say, hey, what's the name of our process again? I've done that on so many coaching calls of, you know, a founder that says, hey, we've got a proprietary process. And then you ask their team and they're like, uh, I think it's called the something blueprint. I think it's the, <laughs> you know, compass. I think it's the GPS. And right there, you don't have a process. You've got something you copy pasted. You threw it on a website as marketing and you're not actually doing the work to do that. And that's pretty direct. I know I'm not here to ruffle feathers, but I am here to help advisors level up. And the difference between having a process and not having a process is doing the work and actually like truly committing. I've seen you guys, like you don't sell annuities. You don't sell asset management. Now you do, you put a lot of those products into different plans depending on the need, but you have one flagship product. It's the SHP Retirement Roadmap. And I think that's like, I wanted to take a little time because I think a lot of advisors like check that box, but they don't really... You know, in their mind, they think they have, but they haven't really. And so I want to rewind. Let's go back. When did you guys create, because you trademarked it as well. When did this actually, you went from here's annuities and AUM that we kind of meshed together to here is our trademarked process. Do you remember the year? I mean, yeah. I, I would add up just a few things. I mean, I'll probably go back to 2013, 2014. And you know, just a couple of thoughts there. The first is that it absolutely it took time. And as you mentioned, you know, Keith and I think hopefully all of us being learners. And so we were always sort of adding to it to begin. So right around 2013, 2014 is when we started to kind of really piece it together. An example of that addition is that at that point in time, you know, I was uh, I embarked on getting my CFP and the Certified Mm -hmm. Financial Planner Board has these five specific areas. So I remember like just like kind of running down the hall with like all these papers in my hand, like, hey, guys, check this out. These are the five areas. Right. And then we were sort of getting that sort of reinforced with some of the other you know seminars and workshops that we'd been other conferences that kind of some of the other firms were kind of you know talking similar things. So we just said, all right, well, you know, if I'm getting it from here and we're getting it from other there, let's kind of build our own system of it. And I always remember 2013 is, is my personal uh, memory of it because that's when, you know, Nolan, my, uh, my third child was born and my wife was so happy because we have a newborn at home plus a, you know, probably a four-year-old and a two-year-old. And I'm like, hey, honey, I'm going to go up and study for five hours a night. Have a good night. You know, Diana was so happy. I decided to do that. So yeah. Just in 2013. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe it was. Maybe I was. Uh... She's happy now, Matt. She wasn't. Yeah, she was. <laughs> yes. Correct. <laughs> So yeah, that 13, 14 time frame is when I kind of piece it as when we started to really build the foundation. But I'm, Brad, I'm not I'm not bashing anyone else for not because the reason I said I know they don't really do it is because when we first learned, oh my gosh, we can call it our retirement roadmap. We can do all this income investments. We didn't have the ability in 2012 or 13 when we did, when we adopted this process to fully execute on it, if that makes sense. Yeah. So we had, we had the same thing. We had a nice pretty binder. We had the SHP retirement roadmap and we did like income planning. We did Matt, we were managing money, but we didn't really have the appropriate like healthcare coordinators. We didn't have the appropriate estate planning attorneys. We didn't have a planning team for tax strategies. So that's why I say, I know 
to really go down this road, you have to start small. But now I tell clients all the time, I was like, you don't, and I remind clients, I think a lot of them, sometimes they think like I'm sitting there in front of a computer picking their holdings, you know what I mean? And I say, which thank God Mm -hmm. I'm not for them. And I say, listen, like, I know where I'm the one who meets with you and in, or whoever it is in our office, we always try to make this comment that I know we're the ones that are meeting with you, but behind the scenes, like I'm, I'm just here as the face. There's a whole trading team. That's all they're doing every day is looking at researching funds, doing analysis. We have a planning team. We're looking for opportunities for you and our clients for, Hey, should we do 50,000 Roth conversion or 75 and why? And then what, you know, should we make any adjustments to risk based on income changes or expenses? Like all this planning is, is being done. And the neat part is it's being done by our team, which is also, I'm going to tease this because I know we're going to get into it in the future. It's allowed us to scale the business, but not kill ourselves. And, and I'm going to say this now, I'm sure we'll go back to it, but to see like others in the industry that we've worked with, you know, like Anthony as one, and I can name there's so many seeing people that are close to burning out, hating the business, and then just learning from mistakes that we made so many years ago and helping them shortcut a lot of these avenues to see them being able to not just grow their business, which is awesome, but more importantly, spend more time with their family, travel by, you know, spend time with their children, which they didn't have time to before. That's more rewarding than, than anything in this business. You know, seeing the advisor go from burnout to freedom is kind of like what a lot of these steps, the process, everything that you help. It's crazy. Everything, the more you help people, the more you help your clients, the more you actually help yourself and your family. It's weird. It kind of all works together because the more successful your company is and the more freedom you have and the confidence, you, you don't have to be involved in every single day-to-day operation because you have a team to help you out. So it's a lot of information I just threw out there, but I wanted to make sure it was hit because it's, a, it's an important part of what we do. Yeah. And I'll just, just really echo that point. And I don't mean to interrupt Keith, but the only thing I was going to say, and Brad, you kind of alluded to it and, and even Derek, you too. It's like having a nice marketing slogan that you have a process. That's kind of the easy part, frankly. The hard part is, you know, getting the attorneys, you know, to establish those relationships, you know, establishing relationship with CPAs, establishing relationship with healthcare brokers, if you don't have them in, in place, hiring to, you know, the, you know, the new business so things get processed, hiring members of the solutions team, getting them all trained up. All that other stuff takes so much more work than, you know, trademarking a little cute little slogan that you have a process. So I can't, can't emphasize enough how easy that part is and how hard the other part is. Yeah, I was just going to build on what Derek said. You know, some people hear 250 million in a, in a year of new assets and they think running themselves ragged. You know, um, I think I have more time now than I did when we were doing 12 million a year. You know, 100%. I mean? Really? It's, it's because, you know, like Derek also said, what we did is we invested in our team, high quality players, and invested in the, the parts of the team that we don't want to do or we don't like to do. And we focus on what we want to do and we really build our schedules that work for us when we want to do it. So not only we've been able to grow the business, grow the clientele base, grow the assets under management, we've been able to grow our freedom and we've been able to grow our time with our families, which is the most important. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, as you guys know at Triad, that's what we're all about. We, we talk about do business, do life. It's really hard to do life if your business consumes your life, you know? And then it's like, I remember when I transitioned to, you know, I, I took uh, about three months off 
when I left my prior gig and I just, I just needed to like think and like I'd been grinding and, and I just thought about, um, going forward, what I wanted out of life and you can make all the money in the world, but if you miss your kids growing up, if you're not there for family dinners, if you're not able to, you know, coach a game, if you want to coach a game when you're 60 years old, cause I talked to guys that had, had built big businesses and sold them. And they're like, here's what I regret. I was so busy grinding, making that money. I missed everything that mattered. I'd pay all the money in the world to buy it back right now. And exactly. I didn't want to make that mistake, you know, and I know you guys don't either, which is why we've always connected on, on a really deep level. Um, but if you're listening in, I think here's, here's a mindset shift for you. Growing your business is not a tug of war trade-off. It doesn't have to be, I should say. More business does not necessarily mean more time or more grind. Um, Michael Hyatt, we're going to be hanging out with them here in a couple of weeks, guys, down in Austin at the launch event. He's going to do a three-hour session with us. One of my favorite quotes he ever shared with me is, it's not a big enough dream if it doesn't require a team. And no business has ever scaled in the history of America or any other place without some form of a team. You know, the, the one-man team doesn't exist in any sort of business of substance. And so I love what you're sharing there, guys. I it couldn't align more with, you know, what we believe here at Triad. And, uh, you know, I call it, instead of the either-or, it's the and. You know, it's the end approach to life and business. I was going to say, Brad, that's what I love about Triad too, for a little plug for you guys is that like a lot of other firms that handle what you do, just focus on the main advisor. And that's impossible because when you have a team of 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 people, how does one or two people that are the owners or advisors going to be able to relay that back to the teams, which I love, I love about you guys, how you kind of, you, you have the ability to get everyone together. So they know, like I notice our, operations team is on a bunch of operations calls with all different offices from triad and they're learning and best yep. practices. COOs are learning from each other. So uh, advisors that maybe aren't owners, but that work as advisors for the firms are all communicating with each other and planning up op- planning teams. So it's just, I love how you're able to help build the entire infrastructure, not just the, you know, pump up the head guy or the head girl who is running it because that's not going to really, you know, it, it helps. But it's impossible for yeah. that person to come back and relay everything to a team. So I love that aspect of like just building it from the foundation up across the board. I appreciate that, Derek. And it's actually one of the biggest fallacies I see in our industry. And I'm not taking any shots at anybody. I'm just observing what I've seen over the years. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of our industry, because our industry is built on sales, you know, just like what we talked yeah. about your early days, reading the script, you know, here's the script to get the sale. And a lot of salespeople are high achievers and, you know, it's built on the ego of here I am and I get a parade across the stage and get recognized <laughs> as this amount of production. And then, you know, I talked to those guys when they got off the stage, like, dude, you guys are working this conversation. No, like yeah. I, I remember, I'll tell a real life story. If you, I mean, I didn't ask permission, so we can cut this out after if you're not cool with it, but I remember uh, we're, we're I think okay. it was. All right. Well, you haven't heard the story yet. Be careful. We have Emily on here if we need to edit this out after. But um, so I think it was 2014 or 2015. Um, we were obviously you guys were my clients. We were doing a coaching call. And one of one of my kind of rhythms in coaching was, you know, we're right here at the beginning of the year recording this. It was kind of the, the New Year's resolution for your business, the goal setting conversation. And you guys have oh, just I know this somewhere right around. Yeah. Well, I mean, this yeah, is I know where this is going now. Help people. Yeah. So um, I think you would just hit right around 60 mil of new assets gathered. 
the prior year, which was like a landmark year. I think you'd grown by 20 million over the prior year. Your business was not that big at the time, maybe team of 10. And uh, we did a goal setting call and it was the three of you guys. I don't even know if we were on Zoom. I don't know if we had Zoom back then. But um, I said, hey guys, congrats, great year. What do you want to do next year? You guys remember what your answer was? 40? Was it 40? Like less... <laughs> yeah, it was less for sure. I remember it being 50. So I remember it okay. being 10 million uh, less than your prior year. And I'm like, I wish we hey guys, your business. Yeah, you, your business, business, your business sets your goals however you want them. But I'm like, I don't typically see groups that like set a goal lower than the prior year. Help me understand. Uh, do you guys remember like what you told me? Because I, I can sure oh. share my recollection, but Brad, it was more, I can picture in, in traditional Brad fashion, Keith and Matt now, he's like, well, guys, um, traditionally, you know, most firms don't go <laughs> backwards with their goals. And I'm just thinking is, you know, what caused you to come to that conclusion that you wanted to do less next year? <laughs> We're in the waving the white flag. Well, that sounds very, very proper. Yeah. And, and, and I, that's, it's, it's super inspiring. Tell me understand, guys. When you set, yeah, it's super inspiring to teams when you set goals less than the prior year. Um, <laughs> well, the thing is, we said the same thing. We said, you know what? We hit our goals and we hit, we made plenty of money. We did everything we wanted to do, but at the end of the day, it just wasn't mm-hmm. worth it. It wasn't worth the sacrifice mm-hmm. to hit those numbers, to miss my kids' baseball games, to miss like my wife's Friday nights, being home late. So every, you know, every night we sometimes we just be, it's, it, we just scrap like, grinding to hit these goals. We didn't have the right team in place. Everything was on our shoulders. So we're trying to get new business, answer client calls, email, everything was on us. So we hadn't built the infrastructure. Yeah, properly. And we were starting to, but that was the whole thing. And I remember other colleagues in the industry would always say, you don't want to do that crazy production because you'll if you get to that point, you're never going to see your family again. I remember clearly a few people mm-hmm. that had been older than me had kind of guided me with that wrong belief of, you know, if I'm going to hit a hundred million or 200 million, I mean, I'll, n- I'll never even be able to breathe or travel or do anything or see my family because I'll be working. And that's the biggest myth there is if you set your business up the right way. So that's the whole thing, Brad. We just didn't want to, it wasn't worth, we didn't want to run it back. If that makes sense. Like yeah. you go through a huge, like a big ordeal. You come out on top, you get to the top of the mountain. And it's like, you know what? That was, I'm glad we did it, but I'm never doing that again. It's yeah. It's like running, it's like running that marathon. You know, it's like, oh, I just got done with 26. Yep. Point two or whatever. Like, eh, I don't think I want to run that marathon again next Which, year. And, and that's I, what I, that's what I saw on your guys's, you know, that's what I remember like hearing in your voices. Um, but I also, rem- I remember another like key piece of that conversation. It was the life side. It wasn't the business side. It was like, we 100%. sacrificed the life side last year, the, the time away from kids, missing family dinners in this pursuit of business and revenue and profit and recognition probably was a piece of it too, you know? And first off, what I love about you guys is you've always kind of kept things in perspective because it's really easy to lose perspective in this business and chase the wrong things. And I also remember that as a point, an inflection point in your business where a new door opened and we had a real conversation. I said, guys, it sounds like we need to start to, because you were three sales guys at the time. Let's just be honest. You were three great sales guys. Now you were building the best plans you could to help people. You were not business owners. No. And you technically you were, but you just weren't acting as, as a business owner would act. Right. And I think that's the, uh, the big thing I see a lot from very successful advisors. What got you 
you're almost like a victim of your own success. What got you to that 20, 30, 40 million of new assets. And then you're running on that treadmill as fast as you can. And then the end of the year, you're completely exhausted and burned out. And you're like, man, I'm not sure I can do that again. If that's anybody listening at the end of the year, there is another way. And these guys are a great example of it because what they started to do, the three visionaries, the three founders, Vision, you invested in Michelle, who at the time was director of ops, has since grown into your COO. That was the execution piece, right? But you also deconstructed as an advisor, hey, there's actually a way to invest in the next generation. And what's really cool, it wasn't what I see create a lot of frustration for founders in this business where you hire some advisor and you throw them into appointments, you know, day one, you're like, oh, they can't close anybody. What the heck? What are they doing? We need to let them go. It was you truly invested in that next generation, a lot of shadowing, a lot of training, which by the way, takes time. But that was what opened the door. And the cool, this this has a happy ending to the story. We actually spent a lot of time deconstructing the three of your guys' day-to-day as advisors and how do we free up the service work that was eating you guys alive? How do we free up the planning? Because you guys were doing a ton of the work on actually building out and you were doing like very little. It was taking away your time to do revenue producing sales like face-to-face. So really the three, you know, we like triangles around here, sales, service, planning. We really started step one of removing the service work and the planning work to where all you guys had to do was build relationships and help people. And as that happened, you still did more the next year. Cause I remember you did grow the next year, but you started to also create more freedom to run a business and actually do the things as the business scale that it needed to do to take care of the people and get the right talent on the team. So, sorry, I just wanted to deconstruct it cause I saw it all happen, but what other thoughts do you guys have during that journey of kind of bringing up you guys of being the three solo revenue producers in the firm that everything was on your shoulders. I mean, well, one thing I would add to it, and that's kind of what I was saying earlier about how difficult it is. And sometimes I feel that advisors don't want to put in that time to become sort of business owners because you can, sometimes it blows up in your face. I mean, there's plenty of people that we hired, trained, spent a lot of time on, and they walked out the door. And that's frustrating, very, very frustrating. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, a majority of the people that we have hired, trained, invested our blood, sweat, and tears into are now extremely valuable members of the team. Like we talked about, you know, we started to deconstruct it with, you know, service and planning and whatnot. You know, Nick Nelson, who I think we hired as like, I don't know, he was probably 24, 25, but I think he was like, looked like he was 16 when we hired him. I mean, it's like, we, you know, he he started off again, you know, very young and he'd been in the business a little bit, but sort of, you know, I wouldn't say necessarily took a chance on him per se, but more so that, all right, here's a relatively young guy. And now five, six years later, he is critical to how we operate because we trained him and he, again, this is, this is also a tribute to him, of course, but we trained him the right way. And now he's training the next generation the right way. And that's kind of how the scale and then the, you know, the cumulative nature uh, happens to it but certainly takes time. And again, it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here, here's a fun story. This, I saw this unfold the last 12 months at triad. You guys know Tom from, from Michigan. Um, yeah. He was very much the guy that you guys were when you said, I want to go from 60 million to 50. And his <clears throat> wife actually said, when we met them the first time, Tom is going to kill himself. If he keeps running at this pace, he was redlining out, you know, like that car that was constantly like a, a redlining. And, one simple thing, 
like this is so simple. Back to your point, Matt, on like training and investing in the next generation. He created a rule. He said, no appointment done alone ever again for Tom. He was doing 22 appointments a week when we met him. He's now down to less than five because basically he had an advisor riding shotgun in every appointment he did, absorbing the conversations, really leveling up, not just throwing them in the fire. But what that allows is like the baton pass. We call it the baton pass versus the baton throw that typically happens in our industry. And so by having that advisor ride shotgun and really absorb the language, now you can flip it to where the other advisors now running most of it, but you're still there to help if they get in over their head. That was like three to six months for Tom. And now he's like, oh my God, where was this like three years ago? And so he's, he's averaging less than five appointments. And I think his business doubled this year from the prior year. Well, what's interesting about that, I'm curious what Derek, if you think, but I mean, right now, having another advisor, like a young advisor in an appointment is like, I don't think twice about it. I remember the first time doing it being like, this is weird. The client's going to think this is weird. What's he going to say? She's going to say that's going to mess it up. Don't mess it up, buddy. And like, I remember being freaked out about bringing on anyone, anyone else into the meeting. And now it's like, this is exactly how you do it. Of course you do it this way. Uh, again, I don't know if Derek Keith had that same, you know, con- you know, fear. Secondhand, uh, you know, it's like so easy. Like, I don't even think about it. It's just, <clears throat> cool, so let's go. Or Kyle, let's go. And then off we go. Yeah. And it makes our lives so much easier. You, Our process is very intensive after and in between meetings. And yeah. as a lead advisor, not having to execute on that intensive process, it frees up hours of our time so we could focus on everything else. So... No, we, we, but were you, were you worried the first time doing it? Were you, were you oh. like, where did you embrace it from day one? Well, it's, Just like, it's, like you're like, it's like you're performing in front of somebody new. You yeah. I mean? it's it's like, 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 do you mind like, if I bring this person in? Yeah. Right. It's, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. But Brad, I think a lot of times well, too, in the, in the industry, everyone's looking for the, and we were too, looking for the silver bullet or the shiny object. Mm-hmm. Like we're going to hit this, you know, we're going to run this one campaign and we're going to get referrals forever. I think the truth of it is, and I think the most important aspect of running the business is if you have, I'm going to break, we can break this down, but if you have the right culture, which to us, we needed a good CEO to help us build a good culture here where everyone's kind of cares about each other, cares about our clients. As Michelle says, our CEO's clients, our team members, that's who she serves. Just like we serve, you know, our advisors serve our clients as the clients that we manage money and build plans for. So if you, to me, it's like the culture is one aspect. The other aspect is building the plan, like having a true plan, like even just having a portal our clients can go on, see all their, their plan working every day, doing all the tax planning, all the everything we say we're going to do, right? So you have the culture, you have the planning, and then you have the loving on the clients, basically getting high level, us having more time to think about the business, we were able to spend more time, okay, let's come up with different campaigns to make sure we love on our clients. One of our campaigns is our team members have to, send a small little gift every quarter for 10 bucks. But like every if a client's going away to Hawaii, you might send them a little book on Hawaii or something just to let them know we're here and that we're listening. Or someone loses a family member, something to appeal, you know, hey, we're so sorry for your loss. So all these little touch points, loving the clients, client events and so forth, doing what you say you're going to do with the plan, being genuine people and having that culture, that is what leads to referrals that you could market you could spend $2 million in marketing and probably not replicate the referral aspect you get from doing things the right way. So everyone's looking for that extra marketing idea, the extra silver bullet. 
the best way, as everyone knows, is referrals are the best the best uh, client you can get, the easiest to to bring on. They already have that trust, and it doesn't just happen automatically. And we never, and by the way, we never ask for them. We probably should. We never ask for referrals. We're never like, hey, make sure you think about us. And we should do a better job of it, to be honest. But just if you if you have these raving fans that really love what you do, then and, and you treat them right and do everything you say you're going to do, and they, they're going to want to send as many people as they can to you. So that's that can never be, un, you know, it's a lot of work to get to that point, but you're going to have satisfied clients and a lot of referrals. Well, I mean, to give you guys at least a little bit of credit, I know I like to give you a hard time, but I'm going to give you some credit here. Approximately a third of your business was referrals last year. And if you had so, professional referrals, it's probably like two thirds, right? Yeah, I would say. Absolutely. No, not so. So, okay. So call Sorry. it call it 80, 80 million plus of assets last year from referrals. Um, I think you're doing okay. I'll tell you the thing that I see, like just really simplifying this, because I know sometimes this stuff can get complicated. I've had enough conversations with advisors. Oh, well, they got this team member, that team member. And then the next thing you know, if it gets complicated, everybody's just like, oh, I've thrown in the towel. I'm not going to do it. Yep. When this started, guys, this was very simple. It's, it's evolved. We're seeing a decade of evolution of a model. But I think the biggest thing, like if you're an advisor out there, back to the very simple, like there's actually three advisor roles in one. It's the selling, the relationship, the building trust. That Think of that like at McDonald's. That's the person at the cash register looking the customer eye to eye. That is how revenue flows into a company. Then if you look at the planning side, that would be like if that person at McDonald's at the cash register, as soon as they made a sale, said, just a second, sir, ran to the back and made the Big Mac themselves. You'd be like, this is the least efficient business model I've ever seen in my life. But we do it all the time. I see it done all the time in, in financial services. And so what you guys did is you just simply deconstructed and you said, hey, we should probably have somebody that specializes in just building incredible plans because guess what? When that's their full-time job, they can do that 10x better than you guys, any of the three of you could ever do it as a part-time job, right? And so now your customers, your clients, like, oh my gosh, these guys don't miss anything. Here's this tax planning opportunity that was uncovered. And so if you really deconstruct the kind of the referral magic, for lack of a better term, having two advisors in one meeting, that's actually a benefit, a team-based benefit is better than any solo advisor could ever be because now, guess what? Matt, we were just in Disney with the fam for a while. If literally you have no communication with clients for the four or five days we were down there, now the client on the other side, where's Matt? Uh, you know, we've got your in tax planning stuff. What the heck? I didn't, to your credit, I didn't see you take one client phone call in five days down there. You were not the guy over on the side, firing off texts, hopping on the phone. So if you are that advisor that can't truly take a vacation, all that tells you is there's a few things broken in your business when it comes to processes. And so I just, that's what I love, guys, is you just simply deconstructed. And because you poured in and created resources, it's a better client experience. It's a better planning process. And by the way, it's a better founder experience because you can actually create freedom in your life. That's what, that's how I've seen it play out. Yeah, and that's why when I say you know it's a difficult process, but taking time, and that's what I'm saying about how it's also it's 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 your own evolution too. I mean, what I was saying about the whole bringing another advisor that took you know as, as sort of like a control controlling whatever you want to call it type of person. It's like okay, oh no 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 no, I, I you know I, I'm I'm giving up a little control here, but then you realize okay, that's the way to do it. Same idea. Like I I, I was very you know reluctant to give up the planning aspect of it. 
But then, you know, then eventually the light bulb goes off and everything you just said, uh, Brad, is absolutely true. So I just think there's any advisors out there that are listening, that that's part of the process too, not just hiring and training, but just growing yourself to say, okay, that's that's part of the evolution of you becoming a business owner of yep. delegating. And, and again, that's, that's also not easy because, you know, you built it to that level. And sometimes it's like, well, if I, you know, if I hand it off, what's going to happen? And it's like, no. Handing it off is actually what sets you free. Very much a learned habit, to your point, from my experience, because I think our industry might be the worst at this. I mean, if you look at like a doctor, they go to medical school and I mean, it's a very similar business, right? They, they have to interact face to face with their clients or their patients. The difference is most doctors step into a practice where they're not the one, you know, filling out the paperwork at the front desk in our business. Most advisors step into a business of one where you're everything. You're the new business person. You're the receptionist. You're the marketing coordinator, cold calling, knocking on doors, however you got in the business. And so when you reach that level of complexity where it's like, wow, there's too much here for me to do. I'm drowning is you actually have you have zero model to follow. You actually have to reinvent yourself completely and break all these old habits that actually led to that level of success. It's, it's like when Tiger Woods, here's your golf analogy, Derek, Tiger Woods, you guys remember in his career where he, where he had won many majors, but he actually completely deconstructed his swing and rebuilt his swing really, really hard work. But that was what opened up the door to the, like the next chapter in his career for more success, even after that. And that's the hard part is you have to break all these habits that are just ingrained into you that got you to that point. And so, well, guys, it's hard to give up control. You used to that. I was it's hard to give up control because you're used to doing things a certain way. So you have to rely on others to do things that you did yourself. So it's a learning curve, even for, for me, especially back in the day to like give up some control and let people, even if they have to fail to learn, it's okay. It's part of like Matt said, the evolution of being a good business owner. Yeah. Here, here's just another tip. If you're listening in, like we're kind of deconstructing a lot of stuff here. One of the things we actually took <laughs> this from you guys in our coaching process. So I'll give you guys full credit you have a 20, uh, 24-hour recap rule. So any client meeting, correct, whether existing client or a new prospect, you do a meeting. Within 24 hours in their inbox, there is a, re, a very detailed recap email like of each of those five worlds, right? Income, investments, taxes, healthcare, legacy, estate. In their inbox, that basically says, here's what we heard. You know, Here's a couple opportunities or gaps we uncovered. And here's the next step we recommend. I will tell you that level of professionalism. We say speed equals trust around here a lot. Yep. I've universally told every advisor I've ever crossed paths with, this is a no-brainer. You should 100% always do a recap email. And all of them also are like, yep, that is a no-brainer. We should do that. And then about 20% of them do it. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and why is that? It's because a, it's still on them. It's still on them, right? They, they do five, six appointments for the day. They go home exhausted. They've got like seven pages of notes. Oh, when am I going to do the mobile assistant on these? Oh, I've got to type these into my CRM, and it's just the paper paperwork that stacks, right? How do you guys do them? How do you make sure they happen? We uh, whoever's in the meeting, whoever's in the meeting with us takes them. Basically, whoever's in the meeting takes them. Um, that's their responsibility. Is when they're we're doing the talking, they're kind of taking notes usually, or they're inter- interacting, or whatever the case may be. They're the person who's in the meeting with the advisor, whether it's either of us or our advisors. They're responsible for getting the recap out. And same thing, if someone calls the office, 24 hours, you have to get back to them. Or even before that, if you don't know the answer, hey, we don't know the answer, we're still going to communicate with them along the way. So communication in our industry is horrible. 
in a lot of industries, it's horrible. I mean, you look at building and construction, it's hard to get people to call you back on time and so forth. And when you think about that, it's like, that's the easiest thing is just to communicate. And that's one of the things we always remind everyone on our team to make sure they do. So that'll get us very, you know, we don't get upset that much, but if you don't get back to someone or don't communicate, that's, that's going to get us pretty fired up. So that's something we don't want to, we want, we make a big priority at SHP. And, and interesting enough, Brad, well, what, um, to talk about how, like something that you implement at top level and then how you kind of work it into the DNA and whatnot is that and that's now part of our hiring process. So when, when we interview somebody for uh, the solutions team, you know, which is kind of our, our internal or an external way of what we call our service team, if you're applying for the solutions team, you have to submit just a mock summary email. Like, all right, buddy, you know, we'll go home and you seem like a good dude, good gal, whatever that may be. Please write me up a pretend summary email. Just make it up out of you, you know, see what you think. How would you do it? Right. And then that's part of uh, the ultimate decision about whether or not they get hired is looking at their sort of mock summary email. That's awesome. I love that. And by the way, one other thing I don't want anybody to miss, words matter. And Matt, we had this conversation in Disney. You're like, we renamed our service team because like from my experience, nobody gets excited about service. Like I've got to go get my car serviced or, you know, whatever you do in your real life. People actually want solutions when they call. So you literally changed the word internally that I believe changes the culture and how people show up and what they're trying to actually do. Did you see an inflection point when you made that change of how your team started to look at these incoming, what we would call service requests in our industry? I mean, certainly, I mean, I would say yes. I mean, in my opinion, obviously, I'm a little bit biased because I, I sort of helped drove that home, but more so that I believe the the incoming, when people take the calls, right? Let's say it's our, you know, the front desk or receptionist or however we want to call him or her or that position. I think they felt a lot stronger handing that call over because they they knew that, okay, hey, this is what this person wants and this is what this person's going to get as well as from the people themselves, you know, being, we actually removed the term service advisor because it's like, we didn't want them to feel like they were the people actually on the team. We didn't want them to feel like they were lesser or, you know, know, again, less important or whatever that may be. And so kind of build them up a little bit, but like, this is what you do every day. I mean, that's, that's a good, good feeling to go home with. Yeah. If I'm a client, I don't want to work with a service advisor. I just want to work with an advisor. So just simple as that. That is a stellar point, Keith. That, that is one way, if you, we're talking about a lot of delegation here and how to take the weight off your shoulders. If you want to put the weight back on your shoulders, start creating hierarchies in your advisors. Oh, you don't know how many times I've heard sub-advisor, associate advisor. If I've yeah. got $20 million, like the doctor you were talking about, there's absolutely no way in the world I'm working with a sub-advisor or associate advisor. I mean, I'm working with the guy or the girl, like let me work with them. And back to your team-based approach, this is the other way that's really cool is when you incorporate that on the front end, the hard part guys is moving to this model, right? Like if, if Derek is my guy, Keith's my guy, Matt's my guy, and you've trained all your clients, I've got one person to go to. Now you need to, you know, it's not the baton pass or the baton throw, it's the baton pass. You need to bring that next advisor into the next review appointment and slowly introduce them. That's the mistake I've seen made a lot where it's just like, boom, here's your 50 new clients. And they're like, where'd Derek go? Is he too good for me now? You know? But with the doctor, I'm guessing you do an appointment. Here's the team member that technically internally is the service advisor, but externally is just another advisor on the team. Now it's like, hey, we bring a team-based approach here. I can't be all things to everyone. I'm the founder. I got a lot of things going on. We don't want to miss anything. 
that person that's in there, they're hammering out the recap on demand. And like, how freeing is that is number one, the client served at a way higher level. But number two, you guys aren't going home with eight pages of recaps to type into your CRM that night. And it's actually like, it's a win-win where I come from. Like, it's a no-brainer once you actually deconstruct the model. Just, it takes some thought to get there. You know what I mean? Right. Exactly. Okay. We've got two minutes. I see Derek checking his watch over here. So we better, we better wrap this up. Guys, now, um, there's so much more. We're probably gonna have to do round two, guys. So we'll see uh, after this goes live to the world. But I know we haven't spent near enough time on vision and culture, which has been a huge part of your guys' growth. I know we kind of danced around some of the referrals, but I just wanted to let the conversation go where it went. So will you guys like like would you be cool enough to come back for a round two if we get some good feedback on this conversation? Sure. Absolutely. Hundred percent. Can I yeah, let me twist some arms? Cool. Uh, time went really fast. Bring so. hamburgers with us next time, though, because we probably said hamburger so, so often that we might I'm need starving. to. <laughs> I'm starving. Yeah, so well, I'm hungry. We, hamburger and, and deconstruct were a battle of words. <laughs> yeah. We can. Um, I know Keith has a special strategy with hamburgers. We can cover that on the next yeah. on the next episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah we should, but that's actually if we're gonna get the weight loss program. Yeah, weight loss programs. It is January. Yeah, we're not talking about the baton yeah. toss. We're talking about the hamburger toss. It's a completely different... Yeah. Uh... <laughs> bookmark that. We'll bookmark it. Okay, so guys, I want to wrap with with this. On a serious note, it's been an incredible journey that I've been able to take, you know, besides you guys, as I've seen your business evolve and what started as just like, you know, honestly, a business relationship. It's been really cool to form like real friendships. I know we've been able to travel the world together. You know, our kids have hung out. And we've actually been able to actually do life together. And so as we say around here a lot, you know, it's not just about the production, although we've got some of the most elite advisors in the country. If you looked at that, it's not just about being a student and growth mindset. We've really worked very hard to create a community of just people that want to do business and do life together and just create some really cool experiences, which obviously we're going to be hanging in Austin here in a few weeks. But I want to flip the script to you guys and... I'd love to hear each of your answers. Derek, we'll start with you in case you need to hop. But if you said, hey, here's what do business, do life means to me, how would you guys define that? I think like you, the best way I could see it is like you're, it's obviously a business, right? And the relationship started with us as a business, but as you can see, we're all each other's like, there's a good friendship between all of us here, like best friends, friendships for life. We've dug deep in a lot of things, but we're still like, I think if you're doing business with people, you have to have. Mm -hmm. And you're spending a lot of time with those people. I have been at places in the past where I like the people. I just didn't have that really strong bond. So do business, do life is like, to me, having that community where if you're going to be with these people, you might as well do it with people that you really love and trust and want to be with and have fun with at the same time. You can joke around and bust each other's chops and so forth. So to me, it's like this, the community you've, you've built, DBDL, do business, do life is that it's built that for us where we have this amazing business. We love and as we, even as we share ideas and help see these other businesses grow, seeing them have freedom and doing more life with their families and, and getting the joy that we see as a result, it's kind of that whole community aspect and feeling of like, these are our crew or as Anthony says, this is our mm. pack. So that's yeah. my answer. I do have to run, but yeah, Brad, appreciate you. Buddy. Thanks. Yeah. Thank, thanks, my thanks, man. Brad. Really appreciate you carving out some time on the vacation. We'll see you Derek. Anytime. See you. Bye. Keith, Matt, what, what are your oh. thoughts on do business, do life? Well, I think uh, doing business should lead to doing life. And one of the coolest experiences I had, because growing up, you know, my parents were very similar to not not to what we do in a way, but 
get a trip for what they did and they'd go out the door and we wouldn't see them for a week or two and they'd come back and talk to us about these amazing experiences and for us to be able to do what we did in uh, South Carolina this past year where you know our kids got to be part of it and grow and experience life and also meet kids from around the country and become close with them and then they'll all grow together and to me that just adds so much to you know what we pour into our business to be able to create something better for them that's all yeah now that was magical that was one of the proudest moments in my business career was being able to form an experience where i saw our children connecting and like i remember uh, Nelly came back, our, our youngest, seven years old. She's like, I've got friends and, and, you know, like this state and that state and one other, not to go too far down this path, but, um, we of course both developed a sports card addiction here recently. I'm trying to get Matt in the game. He's close. He's close. So keep working on him, Keith. But, um, you know, kind of looking at, look at, obviously we're all sports fans and, and many of us grew up going to card shows. And now it's like legitimately becoming an alternative investment. So I'm like, hey, Keith, there's this really big card show in Dallas. Yeah. And you brought your two boys out. That was awesome. And seeing seeing our two boys. In the it, yeah, that was the coolest thing. Just seeing seeing them with their little Pokemon card set up, like cutting deals with like 40-year-olds. It was like At one the, in the coolest morning. thing in my life. They yeah. We're like, hey, when, when, or like when, when you're with dad, there is no bedtime. It's cool. Yeah. So uh <laughs> But, but yeah, that's, that's been really, really cool. So I, I love that you brought in like just the whole family aspect and, and families connecting and, I mean, that's and um, means, right? that obviously, yeah. Well, Matt, what are, what are your thoughts on that? So I'll, I mean, when the first thing that came to my mind is that old saying that I would much rather work to live than live to work. Yeah. Right. And, and when you start, when you first came up with DBDL, that really what kind of, again, that's what I went back to is the fact that all right. It, it's, that's how I want my life to be lived. I, I do not want work to define my life. Now, work is obviously has to be part of your life. It has to. There's there's no, uh, you know, we're not going to be beach bums, you know, yeah, <laughs> all the things that there's. Uh-uh. And also you, you want to set a good example and you, you want to be that, um, you know, you want to develop that work ethic. But at the same time, you can't let that work ethic, that grind blind you from from life. Uh, from your family, from your friends, from your parents, and, and everyone else. And if it is, if, if work is dominating, then you are in an, at an imbalance, and that is not healthy. So I would truly hope that whether you're with Triad or whether you are uh, just an advisor listen, listening to this podcast, that is the goal for you and for all of us. And, and Matt, on that point, by the way, guilty. I think all of us on here have been guilty of that in the past where business did take over our lives. And yes, that's one of the things I remember we were talking down in Florida, like one of my biggest learnings these last two years. And I think I told you this and you laughed. I'm like, it's a hell of a lot easier to coach entrepreneurs than it is to be one. And just the grind and the getting pulled in 50 different directions, you know, hearing Derek talk about ordering copy paper, whatever he was talking about earlier, like that's like what it takes oftentimes to get a business off the ground. But if you don't change those habits over time, and like we've talked a lot about building a team out around you, if you don't do that, this business will eat you alive because it never turns off. Your day is never done. You go home and there's 15 things you could have done. 
Well, no, I remember it's the first time I saw Keith since the since the new year. And I'm like, this is, you know, three days in and he's been straight out since he got back. And it's like, good. OK, no, no break. Huh? No, no, no rest for the weary. I mean, it absolutely can grind you down if you don't if you don't have that support. Yeah. So and I think what's really cool about that is it's all about the intention you set. And I know our our community, we've had a number of advisors that joined. They're like, dude. All I had to hear was do business, do life. And I knew I was in and it's, it's cool. Like we didn't get to culture today. The last three hires we made, we're up to over 40 <laughs> employees now in two years, which is insane. So the last three hires we made, they said, what actually my favorite one, he goes, I thought I was going to retire at the place I'm at right now, but there's just something about do business, do life that brought me in. It, it just spoke to me. And I think it's because it, at the deepest desire, we all know we need to work. Like I took two months off after I left my last gig and I was like, I, I was a worse husband and I was a worse dad because I was stir crazy, you know? So I think like as humans, all of us have that, like we got to be working towards something to make sure we're contributing to society. But if you're working somewhere and hating every day of it, or, you know, you're doing your business somewhere and hating every day of it, that other side, I think gets completely um, neglected oftentimes, if you let it. And so it's been really cool to see how it's attracted a great community of advisors. Um, and, and some people to fit some people it's not and that's cool. But also like the talent on our team, it's attracted, it's been really cool to see it play out. So I appreciate you guys sharing your take on that. And um, I just want to say thanks. It's just, it's so much fun to do business and life with you guys, because we've been able to do a lot of both and really challenge each other, grow together see families grow up together. So thanks so much for just being along this ride with us. And uh, thanks for showing up with with who you guys are, because uh, it's fun to surround yourself with great humans and, and your whole crew there is. So thank you guys for carving out the time. Super appreciative. And I know you brought a lot of value to advisors listening in today. Thanks, Brad. Thanks, Brad. Really appreciate it. Be well, my friend. Yeah. All right, guys. We'll see you in a few weeks. See you, man. Okay, on to this week's featured review. It comes to us from AE Young VT out on the Apple Podcast app. Getting back to Iron Sharpens Iron, five stars. Finally, dot, 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 Brad is back. I always listened to the Elite Advisor Blueprint and was surprised when it disappeared a couple of years ago. I have enjoyed previous episodes with people from outside of the industry and the views they bring to leveling up your business and personal life. Looking forward to hearing more on DBDL. All right. Well, appreciate the kind words. And yeah, I missed it as well. And by the way, for those that have left a review, screenshot that, text that to our DBDL hotline, which is 785-800-DBDL. So if you screenshot that and send us your best mailing address, we'll actually, we've got a number of books from past guests, upcoming guests in the DBDL library. Love to show you a little love and a thanks for the review and get that headed your way. Um, but yeah, back to the podcast, I was talking with a buddy the other day and he just mentioned, man, that must've been tough taking a couple of years off. And one of the things that I found with the podcast, it really was almost like therapy for me. It gives you a chance to express yourself, get your thoughts out in the universe. And one of the coolest things was just the ability to network with some of the most thoughtful, intelligent, just people that viewed the world differently outside of the financial services world. And it really just expanded my thinking and definitely expanded my network. And that was one of the things I told my buddy. I was like, I would have 
done the podcast, whether or not I had any listeners at all. And so it was really cool when a lot of these reviews started coming in and seeing just how much these conversations really helped you all, impacted you all, and allowed you all to evolve your thinking out there as a financial advisor. So going to keep at it, have some really cool guests coming up, some big name guests that uh, probably wouldn't have even had a chance to get on my prior show. So keep listening in. Appreciate every everyone sharing the love out on the reviews. Just means a lot to me and so excited to get back on the mic. So we'll keep them coming. All right. Till next week. We'll see you later. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Do Business, Do Life podcast. As we wrap, for access to show notes, transcripts, and exclusive content from all of our show's guests, don't forget to visit bradleyjohnson.com forward slash podcast. And before you go, I've got a quick favor to ask. If you're liking the podcast, you can help support the show by leaving your rating and review on iTunes. Not only do we read every single comment, but this will help the show rank and get discovered by new listeners and other financial advisors out there that can benefit from the show. Trust me, it really does help. So thanks again for joining and be sure to tune in next week for another episode. These conversations are intended to provide financial advisors with ideas, strategies, concepts, and tools that could be incorporated into their advisory practice. Advisors are ultimately responsible for ensuring implementation of anything discussed is in accordance with any and all regulatory and compliance responsibilities and obligations.